Thanks, guys. Great to be with you tonight. And uh, I really mean that. I know everybody says that when they go places to speak, but um, I mean, who doesn't want to come to Monterey? It's good to be here with you guys. We got to uh, surf on the way down in Capitola. There were some waves down there, got some tacos, got some coffee. And uh, I'm from Petaluma, by the way, which is just north of San Francisco. I pastor a church up there. Been, been in full-time ministry there in Petaluma for, what's today, February, so 22 years I've been there, so yeah, so it's great to be with you guys, really excited um, to share this time. One of the reasons I'm really excited to be here with you is just because of how much I admire and respect your pastor, Nate. And uh, he and I go way back to back, I don't know if you know this, if you don't know this, you need to ask Nate about this, back in the days when he was a rapper, anybody know about that? Yeah, okay, more of you need to know about this, so ask Nate about that. Um, Nate used to rap, I used to be in a rock band, don't ask me about that, I don't want to talk about it. Um, But we were doing youth ministry, doing camps, doing our thing, and God was calling us uh, into pastoral ministry, and so... Man, Nate is just someone that I have admired and respected um, and just watched. And we've kind of had these parallel lives in ministry and with our families. And so that's one reason it's it's such a privilege for me to be with you guys. But, But another reason, and I mean this sincerely, why I feel such a sense of privilege speaking to you and being with you this weekend is I think of the potential of something like this. I think there are few things in life that have more potential than a room full of men like this. There's something really powerful about when men get together, for good or for bad, right? And so I'm not saying that because we're, you know, some special group of men, but I'm saying there's potential here in what we're doing because of the purpose for which we're gathered, right? We're here to hear from God We're here to seek the Lord together and to ask him and invite him to work in our lives. And so uh, several months ago, I was sitting in my small group with with a group of, I think it was just eight guys. And I was just looking around the room and I was counting all the kids that these men had and their wives. And I was thinking of the reach, the impact and influence that just eight guys in a room had. And, and it had to have been in the hundreds easily. If you start to get into family and extended family and who they work with every day. And so I think of the potential of a room like this and it, it really excites me. I'm really grateful to be here with you guys and I'm excited with, that we get to spend this time together. Um, I brought a picture of my family. I just wanted to show you real quick as I introduce myself. Um, I've been married for... 22 years. (laughs) Don't tell my wife I paused on that one, but, um, and uh, that's my wife, Kara, right next to me, and our youngest daughter, Galilee, my middle daughter, Ellie, my oldest daughter, Abby, and my giant son, Tim. So, um, my, my youngest daughter's in eighth grade. She's really into gymnastics. My middle daughter is a sophomore. She's about to get her license and be driving in a couple of months. My oldest daughter there, Abby, she's uh, going to turn 20 in four days. And she's, she's wrapping up her sophomore year up at college in Oregon. And my son, 
is right in the middle of uh, his freshman year at school. He's at the fire academy, wants to be a fireman. And it's just a weird feeling reaching up to hug your son. So, but that's what I go through every day. So um, that's, that's my crew. Those are my people, my family. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of the family of God and to be here with you guys tonight. So would you open in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 29? Proverbs 29. And we're just going to read one verse tonight, okay? So I know it's Friday, you guys are getting off work, the week's coming to an end, so we're not going to overload, we got more to do tomorrow, we got time. So I just kind of want to settle in and, and get going here and kick off our time together, but we're just going to read one verse here in the book of Proverbs, and maybe you know this, hopefully you know this, if you don't, that's totally Okay. But the book of Proverbs is a collection of wisdom sayings from and for a king, right? These were the teachings that Solomon received from his father and mother, and he wrote them down so that this wisdom would be preserved and passed on. But but this this is the wisdom of a king. And this proverb that we're going to look at here in Proverbs 29, it's, it's all about authority, and the way that I, I want to invite you to relate to this right off the bat is that you, you might not relate to being a king. You might not be ruling over everything or anything for that matter. But all of us as men have been called to walk in authority. And so there's something here for us. And, and I want to just pause there before we go any further because I think we need to talk about authority for a second. I think that in the day that we're living in, many, many people are afraid to even touch authority. Because every story that we hear, every conversation, it seems like in our culture about authority is about the abuse of authority, right? And so I think our culture is in great, great danger right now of confusing authority with abuse. So anytime someone steps out in authority or steps up with authority, everyone's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Because that, that's kind of the narrative that we hear. That's kind of the conversation that's constantly going on. And so nobody really blames anyone from stepping back from authority. But this is something that God is calling us to step into as Man, he wants us to walk in authority. And what's so interesting about this proverb in particular is that this this proverb isn't a word or a wisdom saying about the abuse of authority. This is a proverb about the damage that happens when people abdicate authority. Did you know that there's just as much, if not more, damage that happens when people step away from authority and leave a vacuum, because make no mistake, someone is leading. Someone's going to step in, and when when the really called and qualified people step back, guess who usually fills that hole? The most unhealthy, the most manipulative, the loudest people there are. And so we we like to tell ourselves, oh, no one's going to lead. We're just going to all get together. Guess what? Someone's going to lead. Someone's going to step into that role. And I believe that there is a unique calling on us as men from God to lead 
and to steward the authority that God has given to us. And so I want to pray together with you, and then we're going to read this verse, and we'll talk about it a little bit tonight. Would you pray with me? God, would you help us tonight, every single one of us as men, Lord, would you help us to decrease so that you might increase. Lord, whatever we're coming in, our, our hands are full of, whatever our hearts are, are burdened by, Lord, whatever's tangled up in our minds, Lord, that we're wrestling over, God, would you help us tonight? Holy Spirit, would you come? Right now, we invite you. Would you just say that out loud, guys? Say, Holy Spirit, come. And Lord, we mean it. We invite you to come. We pray that you would help us to decrease so that you might increase in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Proverbs 29, verse 18. It might be a familiar verse. Let's read it together. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Now, I want to be clear about something else, because when we talk about authority, and as we talk about authority tonight, as we think about this wisdom saying from the book of Proverbs, I want to remind you that we're not talking about a man who's an authority unto himself, right? That's another temptation, and maybe that's what leads more towards the abuse side of things, is men who think they're called to authority... And, and they're just an authority to, unto themselves. They don't answer to anybody. Nobody can speak into their life. No one can tell them what to do. They're just an autonomous authority unto themselves. That's not what's being described here by the king. It's not a man who's an authority unto himself, but what does it say? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, chaos begins to happen. I love the old King James, the church that I grew up in. We read from the King James, and and maybe you remember it this way, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish, Perish. yeah. It's not good when there's no vision. But it's, it's not the vision coming from a man, again, who's an authority unto himself. It's a prophetic vision. This is a word from God. This is a man who's walking in the word of God. This is a man who's under the authority of God. And I want to remind you guys tonight and and maybe invite you to see for the first time, if you haven't before, what a powerful thing a man who's under authority is. I think of this in my own life as a dad because as a dad, I'm called to instruct and train up and raise my kids. And so sometimes, you know, you have to correct them. Sometimes you have to discipline them. And I don't know if you can relate to this. How many of you are dads here tonight? Yeah, awesome. A lot of you. Think of the potential of all those raised hands, all the lives that are being touched by the dads in this room. But, but if you're anything like me, you're a dad that maybe you've lost your temper Maybe you've disciplined your kids in anger. Do you know how powerful it is when you humble yourself as a man in that position of authority and you go to your kids and you show them that you're a man under authority? That you say to your sons or your daughters, man, I didn't handle that well. Man, dad, dad lost his temper. I want to ask you to forgive me. 
Because God's given me authority and he's called me to speak into your life. And I'm not going to abdicate that. I'm not going to step back from that. But I'm going to demonstrate continually that I'm a man under authority. Because God's called me to do this in a certain way. God's called me to steward the authority that he's given me. Just like you, he's called us to steward the authority that he's given us to walk in as men who are under authority. It's a powerful thing. But when you think about a man, when you think about a man who's walking in authority, when you think about the primary role of a man today, what comes to mind? Just think about it for a second. You don't have to answer out loud. How would you answer the question, though? Probably a lot of us, when we think about the role of a man in our society or in our culture or in our families, something along the lines of a provider probably comes to the top of the list, right? That's what a man does. It seems like that's what men default to more often than not. Well, what's your role here in the family? What are you here to do? I'm here to provide. You see men that get frustrated with with their wives when their wives are looking for that emotional connection or something more from the relationship. And what do guys so often say as they put up the wall? What more do you want from me? I'm providing, I'm going to work, I'm paying the bills. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, right? That's, that's like the primary thing that we think of when we think of the role of a man, a provider, provision, food on the table, clothes on their back, the opportunities that they need or want in life, a roof over their head. But we miss, guys, we miss so often what the real emphasis of providing is. Think of the word, provision. What's in that word? Vision. Pro means to go before. It means ahead of. And vision means sight. Guys, that's what we're called to walk in as men. To be providers of more than just material things but to give vision to our families, to give vision to our kids, to give vision to the people that we work with and walk with. And sometimes we got to acknowledge, guys, our our vision is just too short-sighted. It's about college and 401ks and savings account. And and that might even seem great. Hey, that's the future. That's up ahead. Too short-sighted. What about spiritual things? What about eternal things? What about a vision for the things of God that will matter forever and ever? That's what we've been called to provide, a vision of those kinds of things. I remember someone telling me years ago, be careful how you define success because you'll be chasing it the rest of your life. Guys, can I ask you this? How do you define success? Have you thought about it? Have you just sort of gotten caught up in the definition that we swim in, it seems like, in our culture? You know, it's about nicer things, bigger things, more things. It's about a certain style. It's about having certain things. It's about an image. How do we define success? 
Because the wisdom of God's word says without vision, and I would add this, without the right vision, people perish. Families perish. Marriages perish. Kids perish. They cast off restraint, chaos, brokenness is what fills the void. And I think at the heart, at the heart of a real man's vision is the health of his family and the people in his life. That's the vision that God wants us to have, a vision for a marriage, guys, where we have and walk in a deep and meaningful bond with our wives. A vision for sons who are strong and full of character and integrity. A vision for daughters who are deeply confident and strong with a sense of security. God God has given us as men, I want to encourage you tonight, maybe you've lost sight of this, maybe maybe you've bought or been beaten down by the lie of the cultural moment that we're living in, that men are unnecessary. Or worse, men are are toxic. Your masculinity, the way that God has wired you and made you, it's bad. (laughs) And so it's easy to say, hey, we're... We're not going to fight for our position in a society like that. We're just going to kind of slink back into the shadows and wait for this thing to blow over. No, God, God wants us to walk in the authority with the capacity that he's given us for vision. To offer strength and hope and encouragement to the people that he's connected us to in our lives. That's what we're called to use that vision for. I was thinking of this, this passage from a, a woman named Irma Bombeck. She was usually known for her humor in her writing. She wrote columns for the newspapers back in the 60s and 70s. But there was one particular writing where she wrote about her dad, and it just hit a little different. It wasn't that funny. There was a weight to it. And I want to read just this little section from what she wrote. She wrote this quote, one morning my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and he died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about my dad before. He was just someone who left and came home, seemed glad to see everyone. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go in the basement by himself. And whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do, but I never knew what to do with the daddy doll. So I just had him say, I'm going off to work now, and put him under the bed. The funeral was in our living room. And a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes We never had so much company before. But I went to my room and I felt under the bed for the daddy doll. And when I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. But I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. I read you that that little excerpt. Because those are the words of a little girl that felt the gaping hole 
of the man that God had called to walk with authority in her life and give vision. I think her words expose the lie of our culture that says men like us are unnecessary or toxic. See, guys, God has called us to provide. God has called us to be those that provide. Again, not just material things, but vision. To sit by our daughter's bedside and pray over her for the woman that she's going to become. To sit by the campfire with our sons and listen to their hopes and dreams and tell them, son, those are great dreams. I'm with you all the way. To sit with our wives and connect with them at a heart level. That's what it means to have vision. I was reading in a book, and there were these questions that I wanted to just throw out there to us tonight to think about what does it look like to be a man who's chasing a real vision? What are the kinds of things that we should be asking and interested in? Here's here's a sample. Here's an example, guys. How can I help my eight-year-old girl learn to understand and control her emotions before the hormones start pumping through her body? When will my little boy and I need to have our first talk about sex? What kinds of things might my kids encounter in middle school and how can I prepare them for it? How can I manage my career goals so that I'm available emotionally and physically to my high school children? What are my children going to need from dad when they're in college? What kind of husband will my wife need when she goes through the transition of menopause and how can I help her? What kind of traits do my kids and grandkids cherish in a grandfather? Guys, those are vision questions. And what strikes me about that little sample of simple questions is that how many of those would you say we leave for our wives to think about? The women in our lives. Oh, they'll think about all that stuff because I'm just here to what? Provide. It's true. But there's so much more that God has called us to provide. The vision for these things in life. To keep the big picture in front of our families so that they're not overwhelmed by the disorienting fog of everyday life. We're called to serve by by leading the way and initiating these kinds of conversations, to look ahead, to get out ahead, to be thinking about what our families are going to face. How can we prepare them? How can we protect them? Vision. It might seem, when you think about those kinds of things, like, man, that's a really long road ahead. 
To be thinking about all that stuff, man, it just seems overwhelming. I barely, I barely have the strength to go to work and bring home the paycheck every day. But this is, this is what I believe, guys, and what I've come, it's on my heart to encourage you. God wants to strengthen us for the things that he's called us to. He's promised to supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ. He's invited us. If any of you lack wisdom, and I think vision is a part of wisdom, ask. And he says he'll give generously to those who ask. So it might seem like it's far off. It might seem overwhelming to think about all these other things. But man, a lot of you guys could say even more than me, it will soon be a memory. Is that right? Yesterday, took my oldest daughter to the airport to go back to college. She's been home for a month, a little over a month, since December 15th. She has a long winter break, and I'm not complaining. It was amazing to have her home, but gosh... It was so long that it didn't feel like a visit anymore. It just felt like she was back home. And so saying goodbye was hard. And I can't help but reflect on, as a dad, all the times when, man, she was little and and how fast it went. I remember when we drove her to college last year for the first time and, and dropped her off. It was heartbreaking. By the way, How come no one ever tells us things that are so good are so hard? I don't feel like anybody ever told me that. This is so good. I'm so proud of my daughter. I'm so proud of what my kids are doing and and how they're, they're, they're forging out in life. But man, it's so hard to let them go, to watch them go. And so, man, it it might seem overwhelming to think, ah, God's called me to step into that role with authority, to get a vision for my family, the friendships that I'm in and the, the, the guys that I'm walking with, to have a vision and to walk in that with an authority. It might, it might seem overwhelming, but it's, it's going to be a memory far too soon. Guys, we need, we need this vision. Our families need this vision. Our kids need this vision, and God's calling us, he's inviting us to seek him for it and to walk with him in it. I want to close with just two quick stories that are kind of stories from my life about how I know this is true, why we need a vision. The first is about my son. It's about six or seven years ago, and he, he played Little League uh, was a pitcher, and uh, in his last year in Little League, he, he got invited to pitch in the All-Star game, and so he was on the All-Star team, and we were there in the stands ready to cheer him on, and <clears throat> when the starting lineup ran out onto the field, um, he, he, was, he was out in the field, he wasn't pitching, and, and I noticed that the coach had put his son in as the pitcher, <laughs> Now, I'm not one of those dads It's like, my kids are always the best at everything they do. I'll tell you, if they stink at something, I'll tell you, yeah, they're not good at that. But 
my son was a pretty good pitcher, and he was definitely, I'm telling you, he was better than the coach's kid. <laughs> and so I'm in the stands. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, whatever. So, so this kid, he gets shelled in the first inning. It's like 7 nothing. You know, back in Little League, they have pitch counts. He can't go. He's like at 80-something pitches already in the first inning. So he gets pulled out, and my son gets put in with the bases loaded, and this nightmare going on at the top of the first inning. And so he pitches out of that situation, does a pretty solid job, actually, but a few more runs got in for him to get out of it. So they go in the dugout, they come up to bat. Next, next inning, they're running out on the field, and my son's on the bench. And man, I'm, I'm, there's smoke coming out of my ears, right? I'm, I'm turning into that little league dad in that moment. I'm just like, oh my gosh. So... I'm, I'm trying not to lose my mind. I'm sitting there just thinking, what's going on? I wait till the game's over. I wait till the coach talks to all the parents. I wait till everybody leaves. And I go up to the coach and I'm like, you know, I'm like, he knows I'm a pastor. He knows I'm a Christian. I'm trying to be on my best behavior. So I'm just like, what happened? Why'd you, why'd you pull Tim out of the game? He said, I didn't. I couldn't get him to go out the next inning. He wasn't willing to go take the mound. He wasn't willing to go pitch. And my heart broke as soon as he told me that because I knew exactly why. See, I asked my son on the way home, hey, what happened? And he said, Dad, I, I, was, I was too afraid to mess up. I didn't want to lose the game for my team, so I didn't even want to go out there. And I realized in that moment I needed a vision for my family and for my son different than the one that I was giving in that moment. See, this, the second story takes me back to, to my childhood because if you ask me about manhood, when I was a kid, it was my dad and his leather tool bags. He was a carpenter before he was a pastor and he had these leather tool bags that hung up in the garage and he was always building stuff and fixing stuff around the house and Man, I just, I, I looked up to him, like, like we all do to our dads, right? And, and I was always waiting for the day when my dad would invite me to come help him on one of his projects. And I would wait, and I would wait, and the day wouldn't come. But finally the day came, he was going to build this redwood deck around this pool, an above-the-ground pool in our yard, so it looked like it was an in-the-ground in pool. So he's building this deck, and he invites me to come out there, and he'd already built up a lot of the the structure underneath, and so we were laying the top boards, and there are these beautiful redwood boards, and so he gives me a box of nails and a hammer. He says, hey, go over there, hammer these. He kind of showed me how, hammer these down like this, you know, two nails on each side, and away we go, and so like five minutes later, he comes back, and he's looking at the work that I'm doing, and he just says, what are you doing? And I'm having the time of my life, man. I'm, I'm nailing boards with my dad. We're building something, and he goes, you're putting dimples all over the wood. Because I was so eager, man. I was sinking those nails like two inches below the surface, <laughs> putting these big holes in the wood and this beautiful redwood deck. And he just, he said to me, and I'm not here to rip on my dad. My dad, my dad gave me a lot of great things in life. I had a great childhood in many ways. But, but in that day, in that moment, he said, you know what? You're done. If you want to pound nails, why don't you go under the deck? And you can nail you know, nails into the post down there. 
And I don't think he meant anything by it, but I'll tell you guys, a, a core message got lodged in my heart in that moment. Man, if you don't know how to do something right, if you don't know how to do something perfect, don't even try, don't even bother. And I realized in the Little League story that I had somehow, without knowing it, without meaning to, pass that same message on to my son. Because he said, if I can't go out and be perfect on the mound, if I, if I can't guarantee a win, I'm not even going to try. And I knew in that moment, this family, my son, we need a different vision. We need some courage. We need some confidence. And so we looked through the Proverbs. I started taking my son out uh, to coffee on the way to school. He got a hot chocolate. I got a coffee. But but we were going through the Bible, we were looking for Proverbs, and we found this one proverb that said, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. It said, son, that's a vision for us. Because I look at the men in my family that came before, and there's a lot of great things that they passed along, but in the areas of weakness, son, I want God to lead us with a different vision. And I'll just tell you guys this. Maybe you've made mistakes as a dad. Maybe you've made mistakes as a man. Maybe there's stories in your life that have lodged in there. And without even realizing it, without even meaning to, there's a vision coming off you that's not the message that you want to send. It's not, not the one that God has called you to. And so my hope is that tonight, in, in thinking about these proverbs, this proverb for a few minutes, thinking about the authority that God has called you to walk in and, and having the courage to ask God, will you give me vision? Give me vision for who I am, who you've called me to be, where there's a gap, and Lord, where you can lead me into the plans that you have for me. Guys, I'm so confident that he'll do it. If you'll come to him with a sincere heart. We've all made mistakes We've all fallen short. But I think we can encourage each other tonight and every day to take a step, to not be satisfied until the vision that we have is God's vision for our lives. That that's what we're walking in, that's what we're passing on to the people that he's connected us to. So guys, would you pray with me? I want to invite Riley to come up and we're going to take a minute, maybe more than a minute, we're going to take some time because we have it. This is a great opportunity, guys. If we've been looking in the wrong places, if we've been looking to the wrong things, this is a great opportunity to ask God to clarify our vision, to bring back into focus the things that really matter. Guys, I'm just like you. We all know what it's like to just get caught up in life. Man, it's busy, it's full, it's fast-paced. And so sometimes...
we just lose that peripheral vision. We lose that perspective. We just got our heads down and we're in the grind. But this is a chance, this is an opportunity tonight and this weekend really, I think, to slow down, to open up, and to reflect on what really matters and to ask God, would you be our vision? You know, I heard someone say one time, you don't learn by experience, you learn by reflecting on the experience you've had. How true is that? How many of us have gotten caught in the loop of the same experience over and over and over, We're not learning? until we reflect, until we maybe look from a little bit different perspective. And that's the opportunity I think we have tonight to start this weekend off in this way, as men, together, encouraging each other, reminding each other of the authority that God's given to us and the responsibility that we have to steward that well. So let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher and perfecter of our faith.